Hello and welcome to the fifth episode in the Creating Customer Success podcast series. My name is Alex and I'm your host. My name is Dan and I'm your co-host. In this series, we are interviewing customer success leaders to learn how to build and run the best CS teams. On today's episode, we're joined by Jenna, who currently heads up the global CS team at Mixpanel. So um, Jenna, thank you very much for making time for us and for joining us today. Thank you. Um, I think essentially what we wanted to do today is just talk about yourself, your background, how you got into customer success, and then essentially um, your experience around a few major topics. So things like building teams, obviously we've just been chatting and you're currently in the process of recruiting. Mm -hmm. Um, So how you set your teams up, how... Um, obviously from a global perspective as well, how that differs, um, things like segmenting customers, um, et cetera. So yeah, just to kick things off, it'd be great just to um, get a little introduction from yourself and find out how you ended up in CS. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I started my career at a pretty large company called Coca-Cola, um, graduated with a degree in marketing and then found myself working as a forecast analyst for Coca-Cola. So I would project the shipments that were required to send to the various, uh, retail chains, um, around the U S for different like promotions. So if it was really hot and it was a really good deal, obviously you needed to send more. Um, but that was kind of where I got my start in data, which is what I work in currently, but using a lot of like historical trends and forecasting models and all that stuff, um, which is fascinating. Learned a ton. Coca-Cola is obviously a massive company. So a lot of different types of roles, different types of people that you get to interact with. Um, and also a very direct impact on the business. Like I, I got to sit in on some pretty important weekly forecast calls where it was like, you totally messed up the forecast, what happened? Um, cause obviously that has a big impact on the bottom line. So that was where I started my career, um, moved from the forecast role into more of a sales support role called revenue growth management, which was actually customer facing. So I would go with the account executive and um, meet with our one of the top 10 grocery chains in the US called Safeway. They were our customer. Um, and that was like a weekly meeting. So we just had the one customer that we would meet with and got to understand like how you actually work with customers, whereas before my role was only internal. Um, and I really enjoyed the relationship part of that where, you know, being Coca-Cola, you kind of get to wine and dine them a little bit. Um, so I loved just getting to be involved in like a much more outward facing part of the business. And I understood the impact of a relationship and how it can really make or break like your sales numbers. Um, so that was my first kind of intro to working with a customer. And so from there I decided to move to, um, and, at the time I had a pretty long commute. So I was like, I'm going to try this whole startup thing. I was living in San Francisco. Um, and so I went to a really small startup and I was first, that was my first CSM role. Um, it was in the HR space. So it was like an employee perks company, um, basically offering discounts to employees on gym memberships, movie tickets, that kind of stuff. Um, pretty, simple product like it was just a website that you logged into and you had access to all of these different perks and selling into the HR space it's kind of just like very focused pretty narrow Um, and so 
yeah, from, from there, I decided to um, follow some colleagues over to Mixpanel, which is where I'm at now. And um, yeah, it's a much, I would say it's a, it's a much more complicated product. Like you're working across various different industries from product people to marketing people to data people. The actual product itself can be so customized for any industry because everyone needs data. So I found that I really like that complexity. Um, and that's what's kept me here for the past almost four years. Amazing. Sounds great. And I saw as well, like you've uh, essentially kind of moved into a number of roles whilst you've been at mixed panel from a senior CSM all the way through to kind of managing uh, the team globally uh, at the moment. And I guess how, like over that time, what sort of views have you developed on CS and how does that compare to like your previous roles, which have been customer facing? Yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, it changes, I think, constantly just with the needs of our customers changing. So, um, We've even made a lot of changes to our internal structure. Like we've tried things multiple times over the years, just with the different stages of where our company's at, where our product's at, what our customers' needs are. Um, so I would say we have shifted to a much more customer-centric company as a whole as a result of the learnings from just churn numbers and the focus that we've made internally on that. Um, but obviously it's a lot of trial and error and what works for some companies doesn't work for others, just depending on that level of interaction that they're expecting from you as a vendor, as a partner. Um, so I would say one of the biggest changes that has helped Mixpanel was shifting our product team to actually be customer focused. And what I mean by that is that we have various parts of our product and all of the product managers have one part that they're responsible for, but underneath them, they have a product group that's actually built up of various functions. So each product group has a customer facing person in it. Um, And then we also kind of revamped our product gap process. So we log them in Salesforce, which has been extremely beneficial to be able to tie revenue to the gaps that customers are asking for and the, and the features. Um, and then our product team takes that to prioritize what they build next. So those two things, like just as a company, we've, we've shifted to be much more customer centric and our product has drastically improved as a result. And our customers are a lot happier too. Amazing. How are you collecting the kind of feedback on those requests? It's something that we've spoken about Mm. with, um, kind of other guests mm-hmm. in terms of not just highlighting the sort of features that they want, but really uncovering the problem that is trying to solve to assess whether it's something they need or whether it's something that can perhaps maybe already be solved with a slightly different feature. So it'd be great to talk around how you collect those types of requests back from customers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, typically customers just ask for what they think they want instead of stating what the problem is, which can you know, set the wrong expectations. And a lot of the time we have this phrase internally that we call QBQ, which is like, what's the question behind the question? Um, so you try and dig a little deeper and get to the why or the where that they're coming from. Uh, and so when they're logging the gap internally, it should be focused in that way. There's a structure that we request that they 
state the problem. You can include what they're asking just as, you know, like just so the product team is aware of what the customer wants, um, but really focused on what the issue is that they're trying to solve. And then from there, our product team can aggregate all of them and actually reach out to specific customers for more information. If they want to have a call, see a little more about what they would be looking for in terms of a solution. I guess the immediate benefit is having like you say, that shifted mindset for the product team where they are focusing on just customers. What do they want? What mm-hmm. What's their outcome look like? As yeah. opposed to, I guess sometimes there's a, a separation between like a product roadmap and a customer roadmap. Yeah. Um, so I guess that helps to align the two, right? Absolutely. And that, that was definitely a big shift. Like before it was a little bit, like the PMs had a lot of autonomy to build what they thought would be the best for the customers and now like there's a much more rigorous process for gathering direct customer feedback as a part of building anything. Um, and yeah, that obviously leads to a better overall product roadmap alignment with the customer at the center. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've read in the past about things like user journey mapping, customer journey mapping, stuff like that. Is that um, the kind of thing that you did when you set out in terms of changing the structure of the product team and how they interact with your internal client facing teams and with clients directly? Yeah, it, it's definitely an ongoing thing as well. Like I wouldn't say that we've got that totally right. Um, but we're trying to map out the customer journey for various segments. I know this is something that we'll talk about later as well, but, um, it's completely different for a self-serve customer versus a highly, you know, enterprise strategic customer who probably wants a much more faster response time and a higher level of service. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a balance. Obviously you have to have some key points, I think that work across all customers, but, um, really getting the product team to understand like how to prioritize. And so that's another thing. When we log feature gaps, you can, uh, clarify the intensity of it, I guess. So it's either a nice to have, uh, like deal breaker or, you know, there's a bunch of different categories for, for the intensity and whether they're going to churn if they don't get this or not. <laughs> I think it's awesome though. Cause I think sometimes it can be quite difficult to almost kind of make a case for certain features to be built when there's already quite an aggressive roadmap, which potentially comes from the top down and there is a big focus on even not necessarily like a new product but new kind of reports within the tool and uh, I guess is there like a a split in terms of just developing Mixpanel itself and then also making room for those feature gaps um yeah they they um allocate a certain percentage of their quarterly time to the product gaps themselves. So they get to go through, prioritize, you know, what's been the most requested, what's going to have the highest impact on ARR, what still closely aligns with our product roadmap. And then they get to pick, I think, two of those a quarter. Um, and, and so that is another way that they kind of add that buffer for things that come up that aren't on the roadmap. Perfect. Yeah. So we, we've kind of touched on this already in terms of structure. Um, but we also wanted to get your thoughts and opinions on structuring a CS team um, as well. So I guess similar to um, how it's just been explained around having um, like client-facing product teams, how would you and how have you in the past set up your, your customer success teams? Like how have they been segmented and how do you tend to split out the, the job roles and the responsibilities? Yeah, 
Great question. Um, and we've done this many different ways in the past four years. So I'll try and remember all of them. <laughs> um, but when I joined, we were assigned either commercial accounts or enterprise accounts, which aligned with our sales team. Um, so the previous CSM model at Mixpanel was the account executive closes the deal, passes it over to the CSM to run the rest of the customer journey. Um, with the exception of an upsell where they would come back on and assist. However, if it was a flat or downgrade, the CSM would run the renewal and they were obviously responsible for adoption and engagement as well. Um, but that was just commercial and enterprise accounts splitting. So with some regional as well, since we had an office in San Francisco and New York at the time. Um, and as we've grown, we have learned a lot about how our customers like to be um, you know, worked like how they want to work with us as a partner. And, uh, we've actually introduced a new role called a relationship manager. So this is the post sales commercial and relationship owner. Um, so we've kind of split up the CS function where the CSM is solely focused on adoption, engagement, um, and really driving the value to the customer and the RM owns the renewal, they own expansion opportunities, as well as like ensuring that we have relationships with the key decision makers and, and uh, buyers. So that shift has really, especially for a product like Mixpanel, where it's really technical and uh, the CSMs previously were just spending so much time on renewals that they couldn't really focus on the value delivery piece you know, with like 30 accounts, it just adds up over the quarter. Um, so that shift happened about seven or eight months ago, I believe, and still kind of working out the tweaks of, of what it should look like. And obviously it's different for every CSM RM combo. Um, but they're, you know, working out how to work together. And I think having that dual, management of the customer has been really helpful for at least for a product like Mixpanel. Um, and so from there, we're starting to figure out like how the new segmenting should look. And, um, currently we don't have commercial or enterprise anymore. We've actually shifted to a services model where the customer has to select the type of service package that they want to work with our post sales team. So, They'll get an RM no matter what, um, but if they want, you know, a reactionary CSM kind of one to many, that's our, our base package, um, comes with like some onboarding help and, um, obviously our support team is, is also included. And then it kind of goes up from there in terms of the seniority of the CSM, as well as touch points, um, the frequency of onsites and trainings, um, as well as access to like betas and stuff like that. So actually shifting to a, you are invested in our CSM team and you're, you're going to work with us as a partner instead of you pay a certain amount. So you automatically get a CSM for free, which kind of tends to have customers not really engage with us all the time. So that's the latest that we have recently shifted to that we're trying um, and seems to be proving really well so far. How did you kind of associate a cost to that? What sort of went into 
Yeah, a lot of things. Um, So we have asked the CSM team to start doing time tracking in Salesforce so we can actually calculate the our internal ROI for customers um, with a CSM. So whether that's internal syncs, whether that's prep, whether that's travel um, for on-sites, um, you know, projects that the customers ask us for, et cetera, all of those things go into um, the ROI calculation as well as expenses for servicing the account um, from travel. So we sort of built out a model to be able to create the price points for the services package that we have and the CSM's time was a big input in that. Um, we also work alongside solutions architects. So that's like our technical counterpart. And that's also part of this, the services offerings as well. That's quite interesting. It's almost like, um, I guess for other companies, they might call it like an analyst hours approach where you're mm-hmm. paying, you're literally paying for, uh, someone's consultancy and opinions, exactly. especially for a tool like mixed panel, which you say is, is very technical yeah. and does require that that constant support. I think that's that's a really interesting approach. Um, but I was gonna ask as well, do you then have any other sort of segmentations that are feeding into that? So would you then say for maybe a senior CSM, they only take clients above a certain value with a certain number of users in a certain vertical, or is it literally just that, um, that package-based? It's package-based right now. Um, we are talking about vertical, sp- like specializing for industries, just because again, when you're expecting that high level of service for a customer, I would want my CSM to really understand my business. Um, So for the senior level CSMs, that's probably our next move. Um, However, we're still kind of figuring out what that would look like because there's so many different variables right now across, you know, geography. Um, We don't want the CSM to work with too many RMs so that they won't have like 10 different internal syncs every week. So the kind of pod structure um, is another factor. Obviously, the sales segments that we no longer really align to anymore, but the size of the company is obviously another segment that we're not totally taking into account right now. It's it's just pretty strictly services package. Um, And... I think across all those different things, there's just so many different ways that you can create a combination that works. So yeah, so right now, obviously we've opened a couple of global offices and there's certainly a, a geography um, element to the segmenting since we have much more localized support, but within each office, we have a CSM for each level of the packages. So if a new account closes in London and it's a strategic account, it would go to our senior CSM who services the strategic accounts. Um, and until we kind of get to a point, at least in the various geographies that makes sense to verticalize, we, um, we're kind of just learning as we go with what we have. Sure. Makes complete sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was actually, I was going to ask something that kind of feeds into the measurement aspects, but is there anything from your CSM team that you look for in terms of activity or, Is there any important metrics that you measure related to what the CSM is doing on those accounts? Yeah, great question. So we are a data company, so we try and be as data informed as possible. (laughs) Um, But yes, some of the things that we measure for our CSM team um, are obviously very closely tied to the services package. So, um, you know, we look at just overall activity in terms of like calls and emails just to ensure that every customer is being touched at least once a month. That's kind of a a global initiative that we have at Mixpanel. Um, 
And then from there, it goes into on-site compliance. So depending on the level of the package that they have, there will be a requirement for either once a year or four times a year. Um, And then the overarching metric that we are currently focused on for product adoption and engagement is weekly active users. So being able to measure, um, you know, are the CSM's efforts of helping to train whether new users or work with the RM to identify different teams that could be using Mixpanel um, and really helping to spread what's possible with their current Mixpanel implementation. Um, Are they actually increasing the number of users at their customers that are logging in on a weekly basis? Yeah. And would they then look to, so for an active users, potentially where else they can reallocate those licenses to if needed? Or Yeah, so it's actually not a license model. We um, are part of our goal as a company is to de- democratize your data. So um, you pay for based on the amount of data that you have, not on the number of users. So that's why the CSMs are really focused on you know, it, it, it's in their best interest as well um, That's to great, really. have yeah. everyone at their company be able to answer their own analytics questions instead of having to have it fielded through a few people that kind of slows down the process. So, um, yeah, that's really the goal of the CSM is to help people answer their analytics questions. Yeah, that's really interesting. We, we spoke about this on a previous um, episode in terms of it, it's almost moving more towards like a consumption model. Mm-hmm. So rather than paying for subscription um, to a certain number of seats or licenses, you're basically paying for as much data as you make use of. And I guess that then goes hand in hand with the service packages. So if you're then paying for more support and you're getting more value out of it, especially based on the metrics that you guys are reporting on, it makes it easier to actually show that value to the, the customer. Yeah, that's the goal. Um, and that's kind of a big part of why we shifted, just to be able to have that ROI conversation. Like so many of us have had the conversations of you're too expensive. I'm not really getting the value for what we're paying. And it's like, well, how do you actually quantify that? Um, and you know, obviously that's always a difficult conversation to have, but when you can go into it with some data that actually backs, you know, these are the projects that we've done. This is how many solutions architect hours that have been allocated to your account. These are the number of times we've met with you. This is how many new users we've brought on. And then we're also focused just more on the qualitative side of like, what are some of the questions that you might not have been able to answer before Mixpanel that you can answer now? So actually getting um, some, some meat around what they're getting from the tool. Um, which is more along the case study customer quote side, but that's also something that we're trying to capture. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm quite interested in terms of outside of a customer facing team perspective internally, how did you get the wider teams, maybe the leadership team to buy into this model? So yes, um, it was, I think time for a refresh probably. So we had a new head of services come on in um, in our New York office actually and he started doing a lot of this analysis across the CS team that sort of spearheaded um, just thinking about things in a different way and uh, you know I think before we had a lot of things that we were trying to do well but really wasn't moving like the churn metric um, and we had some pretty big accounts churn, which obviously there's always a, a, a number of factors, but I think that was probably the biggest like push into trying something different. 
Um, and so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens next. But <laughs> the latest one seems to be working so far. So, and I guess when those customers churned, did you have any ways of gathering feedback? Was it mainly through the relationship manager, or do you have like any surveys that you send out? Yeah, so we do a exit interview with our customers when they leave. Um, but you know, sometimes those don't happen, so it's a little bit difficult to go back through um, and and really figure out what it was from. But this one customer, for instance, was they just got a new procurement guy that came in and pulled the plug. So it's not really something that we could have done differently. But you know, again, like there's so many factors that go in. They clearly weren't getting the value, and no one was able to push back on that. So. Um, that's a little bit around this ROI conversation that we're really trying to focus on. How do you try and, because um, I guess that's one of those red flags that when you look back in hindsight, you just wouldn't have, like you can't foresee a, a new procurement person uh, joining the client. Right. Um, so how do you try, is that more on the relationship side of things? Is it more on that, I guess, like gut feel or the yeah. perspective of, the CS and the um, the RM, how they feel about the client. Do they have a relationship with procurement in the, the current yeah. setup? I think that's a big benefit of the new model that we have, like having the dual champions sort of. So, you know, obviously they're very closely aligned and they strategize together. Um, but yes, that would be the relationship manager who should be checking in regularly with our decision maker, with our executive buyer. And if they have that solid relationship, that information should likely be shared. Um, and then obviously the CSM can really focus on like, well, here's what we've done. Here's the value. Like, let's set up a QBR and go meet with this guy. Um, so yeah, that's that's the goal in just like the regular monthly kind of communication with the two the two teams managing. I definitely do like and when kind of in my CS roles always having that structure of a relationship manager and a CS but essentially just allows you to focus more on users which is always great and just worry about value as opposed to the overall account growth which is part of it but I think it's quite a nice model to yeah yeah I think it's hard when CSMs and I've had a lot of CSMs tell me, you know, my role is shifting towards more of an account manager. They're really putting the pressure on expansion and upsell. And a lot of CSMs don't like that. They really want to focus on like, I want to help my customers. I want to deliver the value. And, you know, that's what they probably joined the company for or that role for. So if that is something that they're interested in, that's kind of the relationship manager path, which we've had some CSMs here move to RM as well. Um, you know, but there's a lot of people that don't. So having, I think the option for both is really great. Something that's come out of these conversations a lot, I think there's just like the personality difference between yeah. perhaps mm. maybe a CSM mm-hmm. and your more traditional account manager. Yeah. And um, in terms of what they kind of enjoy. Yeah, I think you, you summarized it quite well there. It's, it's just that, desire to help people isn't it in terms of whatever it is that they want their outcome to be um but i was going to ask around that as well so when you bring a client on board what does that typically look like do you guys um between the relationship manager and the cs manager do they build out success plans or um certain metrics and do they then go in and do things like qbrs to track that progress yes yeah, so our implementation 
like process is actually really well vetted. Um, so we have an implementation manager that actually runs with it. So as soon as the account closes, they'll be introduced to their implementation manager. And then the solutions architect is also a part of the implementation just so that they have that understanding of any challenges that come up that, um, you know, are going to be relevant throughout the account life cycle. Um, so the implementation manager has a whole process for identifying, you know, what are the top three KPIs or metrics that really matter to you, um, whether that's, you know, increasing revenue, whether that's new user acquisition. Um, and we try and put like goals to those. So, you know, numbers or percentage increase, um, so that we kind of have a baseline for where we started when we implemented. And then from those metrics, those kind of North star metrics, as we say, we'll build out like a lot of sub metrics. And then from there, we actually translate it into what specific actions their users have to do in order to measure that. Um, and that's actually how Mixpanel is implemented is, is based on those actions that we track. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like starting at the high level, breaking it down to the details, and then building it back up into um, mixed panel reports that they can actually regularly read. Yeah, that um, sounds amazing. I think it's really, yeah, really clear structure. I, th I think, yeah, starting with ultimately what do you want to achieve? What's the reason that you're bringing us on board? And then laying that out in easily achievable goals and then the literally exactly what they have to do in the platform yeah. to achieve that. Yeah, that, exactly. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that also plays into the ROI discussion. You know, you can always reference that as here's where we started. This is what you brought us on board for because a lot of times you go throughout, you know, six months in, those KPIs might change. And, of course, you can change your mixed panel implementation, and that's where our services can help. Um, but, yeah, it's always good to have that record um, just to look back on as well. Yeah, and I guess it then helps with growth and expansion as well, right? Because mm. if you're already achieving or if you're ahead of schedule to achieve what they, they set out for, then that could be acquiring more data. If it was a, a um, subscription model, they could buy more seats, more licenses. Exactly. Product expansions, whatever it is. Exactly, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And I guess with regards to like tracking those metrics, um, how they're achieving, are there any tools that you use? Um, so obviously Mixpanel will be one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be great actually just to understand like, how you're actually using Mixpanel as well to track your own customers and their engagement. Yeah, so we actually only use Mixpanel for, for measuring internally, um, at least on the CS side. We, um, we can track for all of our customers how many people are logging in, um, obviously what company they're from. Of course, with GDPR, we are fully compliant, <laughs> so if they don't want to be tracked, they can opt out. Um, but yeah, we have internal dashboards in our own Mixpanel instance that you can actually filter um, by the CSM name or by the customer and see uh, that that customer activity. So what reports they're looking at, how many times they're logging in in a month, uh, which are all kind of sub-metrics for the WA WAU um key metric that we track and these are all things that we report back to the customer on a monthly basis so getting their buy-in from an engagement standpoint as well to see you know oh that user is from this team there might be some interest there um, and that's another expansion Fantastic. opportunity yeah and how do you deliver that is it through downloadable reports from Mixpanel or 
So not currently because that's our internal instance. So it's actually in our roadmap to be able to show that to the customer, at least the, in the admin portal for, for like the project owner. Um, but currently it's just through QBR decks. So we'll take screenshots and send them over. Yeah. You can also download it from Mixpanel, but it's usually the easiest way. Fantastic. And have you got any tools that you use for engagement? So you've mentioned Salesforce being one in terms of, I guess, more so login activity, but do you use any tools for those like low touch point strategies and messaging of clients when in the app? Yeah, we have a email template tool. I think it's called, I have to check. I forget what it's called. It's like insights or I'll get back to you. Um, but it's something like Tout App where you can basically create, because we used to have Tout App, um, you create templates that can be shared across the CSM team. And that way, you know, for various touch points throughout the customer lifecycle or even, you know, when new users sign up, for example, it's an easy template that's dynamic that can fill in the contact's name and say, hey, you know, Alex, I'm your CSM. Um, would love to set up a training for you. Oh, just in case you're wondering, like, these are what some of your colleagues are doing, um, which still requires a little bit of manual work because we really want to tailor those initial outreaches. So understanding, you know, looking at LinkedIn and see what team that user is on, um, what use cases might be interesting to them so that it's not just like a blanket, hey, I'm your CSM, I'm here if you need anything, kind of check-in that people just delete. Um, so. <laughs> I can imagine even with just the use cases, because there's probably so much you can do with Mixpanel, it's so important to get that right and tailor the use case. And with regards to that, do you so for like internal use cases, I imagine gathering those from CSMs is a great way of being able to collect what your clients are using Mixpanel for. How do you then distribute that out to other CSMs, other relationship managers, and even perhaps maybe to the sales team as well for, for new business. Yeah, so we have, like, we call it our go-to-market hub with a lot of these resources, um, including case studies, including, um, you know, all of the different process docs for how to handle different points of the customer lifecycle, um, like one-pagers on certain parts of our product, our services offering overview, all that stuff. So kind of wanted to, keep everything in one place so that the RMs, CSMs, and SAs know where to go for everything. Um, and then obviously we use Slack, which is a really great way just to, you know, hey, have you, do you remember where this thing was stored or what do I do in this situation? Um, and one of the things that we've started to do with the new model with the RM, CSM, SA pod is each customer will have their own Slack channel. So the whole account team will be on that Slack channel. Um, which has been really helpful just in terms of making sure that everyone's on the same page. Uh, I think that was one of the challenges when introducing a new role. It's like, well, do you do that or do I do that? Like, where does this line kind of sit? And, um, you know, it just requires a lot of communication to figure that out in the beginning. And, and Slack's been really effective with that um, so far. Yeah. But was that your question or was it yeah, more on no, the customer Yeah, no, that was okay. perfect. Yeah, and essentially it's just kind of gathering those use cases. How do you distribute those out in the business? And then with regards to, I guess, case studies, how do you incentivize clients to do case studies with yourselves? Yeah, so currently it's we don't like offer anything for case studies. I know um, 
customer marketing is something that we're working on building out a little bit better. But right now it's typically if, you know, if we have a really strong relationship with the customer, they also get positive press from it as well. So it's kind of like a mutual thing there. And, you know, in our opinion, it should be something that should be a no brainer if they're getting the value out of the tool. Um, and you know, sometimes there's like marketing restrictions internally that they can't do anything branded externally, et cetera. Um, so we can kind of like work around that, but yeah, typically it's just been like maybe the customer just found a really great insight that led to a huge bump in, you know, a product feature usage or something. And and that's a great time to be like, Hey, can we, you know, write a story about this? Um, and then we actually take the case studies that, um, we have with our customers and, and bring that back to our engagement plans with them. So this is more on like the strategic side of the customers, but, um, that would be included in like the welcome email, for example, like, Hey, check out the case study we have with you guys. Um, and I'm actually working on one with a customer in France right now that is, they have their own like internal Google drive folder with all things Mixpanel. Um, so they have subfolders based on what team you're on at the company. So there's like a product team folder that has very specific reports that they would care about, um, training decks, recordings of different ways to utilize the tool. And so again, trying to like really tailor at tailor, um, just that like understanding of how to use it as a product manager at a company instead of this is what the tool does. I think that's why um, a lot of clients are willing to do case studies. If, if you remember to make it a two-way thing where they're not just talking about how how good you are as a um, as a supplier or a vendor, but also how, you know, what did they achieve? What made them look good? Because then obviously as a user, they'll want to share that internally. Exactly. They'll do the work for you, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, I wanted to take it back to, we kind of touched on it briefly, but... Talking about um, like proving ROI, value, etc. One of the things that we've spoken about previously is how does a CSM get themselves into a position where they can be seen as a trusted advisor? So why would the client give them the time to show them value in the mm-hmm. first place? Mm-hmm. I think you have to take it back to data again. Like you, at least with a tool like Mixpanel, it's really important to show that you understand their business and what metrics actually matter to their job. Um, and then being able to tailor that as much as possible. So it requires listening, obviously, like you need to be able to like ask those questions and understand what they're measured on and then trying to find ways to help them, um, goes a long way. And I think that instantly builds trust. Like hey, my CSM really does understand what I'm doing and they have my best interest in mind. Um, Whether or not that actually helped them or not, it goes a long way in at least establishing that foundation of mutual trust that can then, you know, only go up from there. So I guess it's just almost like building that credibility, isn't it? Through the work that you're doing and yeah, showing that you understand their business, as you say. Yeah, like obviously you need to have an understanding of the product, but that, real world application and how it translates to their day to day, I think is where the CSMs have most succeeded at Mixpanel. Um, so, you know, understanding very detailed things about their implementation and where the limits are of what they can and can't do. 
maybe some things that they could be doing differently if they added this one property to track, for example. Um, and then also just suggesting ways around it, whether that's in mixed panel or not, like really just coming at it from having their best interest in mind. I think it's that honesty and integrity, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. These are the known limitations. This is what we can help you achieve. Outside of that, here's another, another recommendation. Right. Yeah. And even, I guess, the thing I picked up on there as well is just being solutions driven. So like early in sort of my CS career, um, I pretty focused a little bit too much on being a product expert. And you tend to find that you get in front of the customer, you almost want to show off yeah. everything that you know about the product, as opposed to just focusing on those maybe one or two things that is going to help solve their problem and be more consultative, yeah. in, I guess, in that approach. And on, on that, is there anywhere, or I guess from your experience, have you seen anything that CSMs do that perhaps you've tested and learned from or is there anywhere that CSMs maybe like even waste time in terms of like the day-to-day activity things that aren't moving the wheel <laughs> I guess yeah I think um I think wasting time is an interesting one because you obviously have to be a CSM for all of the customers that you work with and it's hard when you don't have that same engagement on their end so that's where I've typically seen CSMs waste a lot of time is with customers that just really don't want to engage with us and end up churning because they're just really not getting the like it's already past the point of of saving basically um and that's again where the RM can help like trying to find different teams to work with and salvage it from like a different angle but you, you can only repeat yourself so much with the same people um so yeah, I mean, I, I would say it is very important to have the product understanding, but if you can get to kind of like you said, where you have like a couple baseline, you know, whether it's um, metrics or ways to showcase this is exactly how this feature would apply to your business um, or this is a cool metric that I found for you. Like, have you seen this demographic totally dropped off? Um, after you sent this campaign out, for example, like just spending some time working with their data to help them find those interesting tidbits that could um, could move the needle for them. Amazing. So working smarter, not harder. Yeah, Almost, yeah. I, guess, I think like, it's a combination. It. Yeah. yeah, obviously um, working with the right customers, first of all, which is not always easy to decipher, but also in a way that's tied to their business goals and not just because it's a new feature they should know about. Like we ship a lot of things that some customers don't care about because they don't use that part of the product. So again, it just comes down to understanding their use case. Amazing. Um, yeah. So we've spoken a lot about how CS currently is. Um, one of the things we wanted to ask you about is based on your experience, what you know about CS, where do you think the industry is headed? What do you think is next for CS? It's a good question. Um, and I know some people, you know, with all of the automation today, there's a lot of like, oh, my job's just going to get yeah. taken over by robots, <laughs> which I don't, I don't ever think that that's going to happen. Like there's always going to be a human element to the work that we do. Just kind of going back to how I started my career when I like first got to work with a customer, I'm like, this is so powerful. Like you really need the FaceTime and, that's how you build a relationship that lasts for your whole life, you know? And, and I think that, um, especially after 
being at several companies now, like I leverage my network for so much. And I think that that's never going to go away. You know, like there's always just going to be this people helping people element and you don't want to buy from a robot. Like you really need that trust of like, and this also goes back to the tailoring thing. Like my use case is different than everyone else's, which isn't always the case, but people, you know, really do feel like that because there's so many nuanced things with, Oh, well we have this, you know, data warehouse and does it work with this messaging tool? And like, understanding all of that complexity at least in the world that we live in requires a lot of personal assistance and and guidance so um i don't see that going away anytime soon it's just going to get more complex if anything so really being able to keep the focus on that while having some consistent recommendations for like what the best in class is i think will will probably end up happening so yeah, absolutely. I think as more and more um, companies become data-driven, especially for a company like Mixpanel, that obviously is in their best interests. But I think that does also go hand in hand with, like you say, the human interaction. So it still requires someone there for the human element of decision-making and especially then how that impacts relationships as well. Because yeah. there's also then from a B2C side, the companies that um, you might be selling to, how are they interacting with customers and that's still exactly the same thing as well right um it's still about a personal experience that's why people buy uh, brands that's why they buy products yeah amazing um so the last question that we always finish on (laughs) (laughs) is um so what i guess what advice would you give to csms building their career now so if you to speak to your younger self and say this is your first csm role what would you be focusing on and what type of skills would you be looking to build out I would say there's a couple things that I think are really important. Um, one is working for a product that you personally find interesting. I think a lot of times people are just like, oh, this company raised a bunch of money. It's cool, but I don't know anything about that and I would never use it. Um, I think that that wears off pretty quickly. So you really want to have a personal interest in the product that you are a CSM for just so that that authenticity comes through. Um, and two, I think always comes back to leadership. So aligning yourself with people that you know would challenge you and at the same time motivate you. Um, I think people tend to, uh, you know, kind of look over that part or, and it's hard to, to gather that in the interview process, but it is so important to have a leader that you, want to work for and show up for every day, um, which, you know, just kind of trickles down to the overall culture, I would say of the company. But, um, yeah, I think, I think those are the big things I would also just say, like be experimental, like be data driven and how you manage your customers. If something doesn't work, make sure that you are understanding why and, and try something different. Um, a lot of the CSMs here that, have kind of progressed and and what I tried to focus on as well is is finding things that I could share back with the team that would help everyone in a way that would make their life easier so whether that's like a process improvement or um, just things that I found that were more effective and then sort of creating a process out of that um, that goes a long way as well just in terms of leadership and and sort of being a part of a team where we're all trying to help move towards the same goal yeah amazing i think one of the 
things that I'll certainly take away from this interview is just the test and learn approach and perhaps not being scared to change the way that things are done um, because it's a, definitely a trap that you can fall into sometimes yeah. just being like it's always been done this way so we're going to continue to do that and right. test and experiment in. especially it's, when you're new like yeah. in that I think you were hired because you have a really great background and experience and I think that that's obviously something that should not be taken for granted but question things when you first join a company like the people that have started here in the past few months that are the most impressive or like have we thought about doing it this way why haven't we done this and then you know being solution oriented again on ways that it could be done differently um, but yeah really just learning as you go which things will always be changing so there's always going to be stuff to learn from yeah fantastic yeah. brilliant well thank you so much for your time yeah thank you guys really appreciate it yeah. thank you you too, thanks.